Glad that you are here. Last week was a good day as well. Good to see so many of you here last week. And I know some were traveling, visiting other family. It's good to have you back with us. But that was a big day last week. We called that the big day, right? When we celebrate the fact that Jesus has been raised from the dead, that was the big day. Today, what I guess I'd like us to do is I'd like us to consider what happened following the big day. What's life like following the big day? Because Jesus is still alive, and when he had appeared to those first disciples that Sunday morning, he was still around at times for 40 days, and and so there was something going on following the big day. And, and I believe that has implications for us today. What Jesus first said to those followers has implications to us. I'd like to look at that today. If you have your Bible, and I invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. It's where we were last Sunday. We looked at the first part of chapter 24. We're going to look at the end of chapter 24 of Luke. Look at some of the words of Jesus Words that he spoke after he was raised from the dead. And I believe as we look at these words today, it will be good for our hearts. I say our hearts because I need this. I believe you need this. These words will be good for our heart. And they are going to challenge us. Give us a little fire in our step for this next week. Luke chapter 24. As we start looking at verse 36, that's where we're going to look today. What happened is after Jesus uh, rose from the dead, he appeared to Mary Magdalene. He said, yes, I'm alive. Go tell the others. And he starts to appear at various times over these 40 days. There's a great story in verses 13 through 34, and I would encourage you to read that. Not right now, okay? But just write this down and say, oh, I, I need to read verses 13 to 34. Just a great story how Jesus appeared to some people after he's raised from the dead. He kind of veils himself so they don't know who he is. Uh, but anyway, it's just it's a fascinating story, a little walk with Jesus that these people have. But the story we're looking at today is found in verse 36. I'm not sure when it takes place. It could have taken place that Sunday night. It could have been days later. We're not really sure. I don't know that it matters too much. But let's look at verse 36. Hear what Jesus has to say after he's been raised from the dead. It says, as they, these were the disciples, as they were talking about these things, they have been talking about the fact that, is Jesus really alive? I mean, oh man, this is is crazy. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and they thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet. That is myself. Remember, his hands, his feet have been pierced. This is his proof. He says, touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them these profound words. Have you anything here to eat? <laughs> now, they're freaking out. They're going, it is him. Look at that. I- I'm touching this. This, is, this isn't a hologram. This isn't a spirit. It's actually him. And then he says, I am hungry. 
I have a stomach. It's empty. Let's eat. The spirit doesn't need food. I need food. Give me some food. So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it before them. Imagine that. They had just seen him crucified. They saw him die. They saw him buried. They see him again. He says, go ahead and touch me. And I'm hungry. They're like, this is just blowing our... I mean, we're marveled at this. We're excited about this. But uh, there's still some disbelief in our hearts. Verse 44. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. That everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Let me just stop you right there. If you're taking notes, write a couple things down. It's as if Jesus was saying... The Old Testament was about me. We look at our Bibles now and we say, well, the story of Jesus is this last quarter, the New Testament. He says, no, actually the whole thing's about me. Write these down if you want. Psalm 22. Jesus says, that was about me. Isaiah 53. He says, those were some great words, but those were about me. All of this was pointing to me. And then, verse 45, it says that Jesus opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. And that's what He does with us through His Spirit. He says, I'll open your minds so that you can see this. It's not just a textbook, but it is life. And He said to them, thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer on the third day, rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in His name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And then Luke says, in verse 50, he says, Well then, 40 days after the resurrection, this takes place. Verse 50. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. That's where Jesus is right now. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. Let me share a couple things quickly to you from this passage, from these initial words that Jesus says after he's been raised from the dead. I'm going to call this messages from the Messiah. Things that he says after he's been raised from the dead. First thing I notice he says is you are to proclaim the gospel to all. He said this to those followers that were with him that day. But I believe this is a message for you and me. That you and I are to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to all. Sometimes we wonder, well, what's God's will for my life? What am I supposed to do? Here's one thing if you're wondering. You are to proclaim the good news to all. Well, what's the good news? Look at verse 47 again, if you would. That repentance and forgiveness, or some of your Bibles might say that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. A couple things there. Nations, the word nations. In the Greek, it's the word ethnos. It's where we get the word ethnic. In other words, Jesus says, I want you to proclaim, I want you to tell of this good news that there is forgiveness offered to all people. I want you to share it to all ethnic groups, not just the Jews, not just a select people. 
Not just proclaim it at church on Sundays to the Christians, but all of us, whoever we see, that there is hope in life, there is forgiveness offered, that you could be made right with God, not by your hard work, but because Jesus did something on the cross to pay for your sins. So you and I were called to share the good news here, there, everywhere. I was writing that down. I'm like, oh, I was reminded. That's a Beatles song, isn't it? Somebody told me that the last time I said that. But that, that's the, really the truth is that we're called to proclaim this message here, there, and everywhere. Acts chapter 1-8. Write this down if you would. Jesus says, I want you to know that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses first in Jerusalem, in the city where you're at. And then in this region called Judea. And then in this region called Samaria. And we don't even like those people. I mean, we're close to Corvallis. It'd be like saying, and even go to Eugene and share the good news. But it was even far worse than that. And then he said, and even share this to the ends of the earth. Proclaim, this is our calling, you and me. Mexico then is part of us. I'm going to talk a little bit about Mexico today and, and say we're supposed to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ here in Albany and in the valley and, and in Mexico and in Sierra Leone and wh- wherever you go. I noticed this in Jesus' message too. He says this, that he talks about life change. And I'd say it this way, you have experienced life change. He was telling the disciples this, and we can look back at it 2,000 years later and say, you have experienced life change. Those of you who have placed your faith in this risen Savior. If you have said, I need a Savior, you have experienced life change. Look at verse 47 again. That repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. Here's the life change. That the moment you said, my way is not going to fix it. My way is not the right way. I'm going to give up my agenda for the agenda of Jesus. When I turn from my way and pursue Jesus, life change happens at that moment. It might have happened when you were a little kid. It might have happened last week. Wherever that happened, when you said, you know what, I need a Savior. When you said that, when you turned from your way to the way of Jesus, you experienced life change. God offers that today. Some of you are saying, man, I'm trying really hard, and I'm hoping one day I'll pass the test, and God will say, you were good enough. You were better than most. He goes, that's not the standard. You turn from your way, receive forgiveness of sins for what my son did. That's the only effort I'm going to look at is what he did on your behalf. And if you turn from your way to him, you will receive forgiveness of sins. Some of you here today are going, man, I am such a messed up person. I have sinned so greatly. Listen, if you turn to Jesus, he says, I've wiped away all your sins. I know it has consequences in this life, but between you and me, I'm at peace with you. You're my child. You're accepted. Those sins are forgiven. As far as the east is from the west, so far I've removed your sins from you. Is that good news? It's life change that Jesus has offered to us. Look at Jesus' words here, and I think I see one other thing, and it says this, that you've been supernaturally empowered. When he starts talking to his followers, he says, if you would stay here in Jerusalem, you will be clothed from God on high. In other words, you're going to get this gift. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. And when we believed in Jesus, again, when we were little kids, or if we did this just this last week, whatever it is, you have received the very Spirit of God to live in your life, and you are now empowered. 
You are empowered to show love and be bold and courageous. Not because you're special, but because you've been empowered by Jesus Himself. Look at verse 49. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father. That's the Holy Spirit upon you. Stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. If you're a follower of Jesus here today, you have been clothed with power from on high. That's good news. What Jesus was doing that day is he was preparing his followers. He says, hey, I want you to know I've got a great task ahead of you. But I'm going to empower you. You weaklings, I'm going to empower you. I will strengthen you to do amazing work. And here's the deal. I'm going to make it, make it all succeed through you. Jesus was preparing his followers. You and I, this week you're thinking, man, I can't do anything. You can because Jesus is empowering you. He will strengthen you. He is going to use you and make his work succeed through you. You see, as a church then, we're called to proclaim the gospel. Proclaim this good news that I've been forgiven of my sins. I'm not a good person. I'm messed up. But I turned to Jesus. He wiped away my sins. He's included me, empowered me. That's good news. So we're called to proclaim that here and there. And as ones who've experienced then this life change and ones who've been empowered by God, now we look for opportunities. How can we serve? God, we're looking for opportunities. Where can we go? Where are you calling me? At my workplace, with my neighbors, with fellow students? Maybe it's Mexico. Maybe it's Africa. But God, where are you calling me to go? Where are you calling me to serve? The front of your worship program, it says this, we're growing closer to God and helping others along the way. That's this call that Jesus was talking about. I will empower you to help others along the way if you just keep your eyes open and your heart open. Now, Mexico happens to be one way we respond to Jesus. This is one way our church responds to Jesus. I want to tell you some stories today because this Mexico missions trip of which we've done for seven years now, it's really part of our church's DNA. It's part of this calling when Jesus said, I'm going to empower you to proclaim this good news. One of the ways we get to do this is by going to Mexico. Let me tell you a little history, if I could, about us going to Mexico. We've done this for the last seven years during spring break. Two groups of people we work with. We work with a ministry called Caring Hearts. Caring Hearts. We put them in our budget, in fact. When you give an offering and you put it in the joy box at the end of the service, each month we send a check down to Caring Hearts. And they do much ministry in this town of San Luis, Mexico. If you want to look at it on a map, you find Yuma, Arizona. Go straight down right over the border, San Luis, Mexico. 160,000 people. And our offerings, some of our offerings go there to bless. What they do is they have an orphanage. They've taken some of these orphans and these young boys and they put them in a boy's home and the, and the girls still stay in the, the orphanage home, but the, the boy's home, they start learning trades and, and as do the young girls. They have this boy's home and they do work and they minister in this city. Uh, and, I, and I'll tell you more about that ministry a little later on here today. 
Another group that we work with is a little church in a rural town called Tabasco. So if you leave this large city of 160,000 people and, and travel about 20 miles away, you run into this just this little village called Tabasco, small little place. And our history with that is back in the early 90s, some people from our church went down to Mexico, met up with a guy who was planting churches down there. He's still doing this. He's 85 years old. I got to spend some time with him uh, on our trip down there. But in the early 90s, some of our people went down there and heard his work of planting churches. And, and some people from our church, and some have passed on, and they're with the Lord today, said, well, what would it cost to buy some land and things like that? And they heard the number and they wrote some checks and built some buildings. And, and so we have this little church there that we go back to and minister with. And so we support this church again with our annual budget. Again, when you give to the Lord, some of that each month goes to this little church in Tabasco. And we bless that little church and that little community as they proclaim the gospel. Well, on March 20th, just a few weeks back, 24 of us drove down 1,200 miles to go to Mexico. And I want to talk about some of that. Some of our people are here today. Many of us are wearing the green shirts. I'm just going to ask if you got to go on that trip, would you stand up, please? We just want to say thank you for going on our behalf as a church. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to ask Adam Hale to stand back up, though. Adam is uh, the leader of our missions at church, and he, he uh, helps set the budget and things like that. But he has led this trip for uh, the last four or five years, and he has done a fantastic job. Could we just say thank you to Adam? Thank you. <clears throat> well, let me tell you a few things that uh, happened three weeks ago uh, yeah, three weeks ago, uh, we were at Agua Viva Baptist Church. That's our, the church we go to in Tabasco. And, and uh, as we were reflecting on this, 92 of us have gone down there on this trip in the last seven years. And so many of you, you know what I'm talking about. Some of you have seen the pictures over the years. But we spent four days with this church, and they just asked us, would you help us? And uh, we do. And so one of the things we did that Sunday was just helping with their children's ministry. We do uh, a drama for them. They said, would you, our kids will come after school midweek. Could you just uh, teach them and proclaim the gospel by way of drama? Would you play games with them? Things like that. And so we did that. Uh, this year we got to do a build project. When we go down there, we hardly know what's going to happen. It, it always changes. But they said... We have these rooms that we're not really using. Uh, Pastor Alfredo and his wife Connie said, you know what? We need to move out of our house from the next village away. We'd like to live just right on the um, grounds of the church. And we could live here, but these classrooms would be, have to be uh, changed into a house. And so we said, let's do this. And so we spent four days uh, getting water to this place and electricity and, and just turning it into a home for them. It costs a lot of money, actually, to do this, but that wasn't a problem for us because we took an offering, if you remember, back in November for our Advent conspiracy, and some of that money goes towards our community with Christmas Compassion, and some of it did go towards Mexico, and some of it goes to Sierra Leone with their fight against Ebola and water and things like that to help the church and school there. But we had money to renovate this building, and so whether you know it or not, when you gave back in November, you were proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ as we were working there. 
I also want to brag about our young people. Uh, we had young people speak at different avenue venues, uh, at the garbage dump and at church services, just telling their stories, uh, their testimonies, and uh, they just did a fantastic job. We're proud of our kids doing that. And then one of the things we do down there when we go to Tabasco, when we do in December our Christmas compassion, when we box up food and clothes and things like that and bless our community, we've been doing this the last few years in Tabasco. Going down there, you donate some clothes and things like that, and and we go and bless in our community. And so we did that again here. We got a picture of... We just go out with uh, some of the members from the church. They make a list of people that they know, kind of like we do, friends of friends. Maybe they're going to church, maybe they're not. Just people who have needs. So anyway, uh, we, we got to be a part of that, and we have some great stories. I would encourage you, we just wouldn't have enough time, but I would ask any of these people in the green shirts, just say, tell me a story about handing out uh, food and clothes, and and you'll hear some amazing stories. I'm just going to tell you one real quickly. The first Sunday we are there, uh, they ask us to come up, and they ask us, uh, they want to all shake our hands and just say hi and, and things like that. There's a gentleman who comes up, and he is crying I don't get it. I'm like, we're not that impressive. Why are you crying to meet us? Let's put his picture up here. Guy in the yellow shirt, Jose Jesus. So here's Pastor Alfredo. Here's myself. Here's Jose Jesus. And Pastor Alfredo says to me, here's his only, I guess he knows two English, three English words, pastor. He says it long enough so it almost seems like a sentence. (laughs) And then he says, thank you. But anyway, with the translator, he says, let me tell you the story of uh, Jose Jesus. Jose Jesus was one of the people that we said we want to give a box of food to and pray for last year. And so we went and we prayed for him. And we said, how can we pray for you? And he says, I have some serious health problems. I might be dying, but uh, would you pray for my health? So we did. And I don't even remember who prayed for him. A couple months later, he says that he just experienced complete healing. It wasn't with doctors. He says, I just give credit to God for doing a miracle in my heart and my physical body. And I... But he hadn't gone back to church. That morning, he said, I just felt like the Lord was telling me I should go back to the church and say, thank you for praying for me. You don't know the end of the story. My body is so great. He says, so I, I went back to church with my family. To his surprise, the day he goes back to church, he sees the same Americans who came and prayed at his house with him. And he was crying. He was like, and it was you guys. You guys in this church. We're like, wow. I brought the team together and I said, so when we go out again tomorrow, you pray and you bless these people. We don't know how God's going to use us. It was just fantastic. And so, of course, we went back and visited Jose Jesus at his house and just said, we want to give you uh, more uh, prayer and blessing in the name of the Lord. And, I, and we just have stories like this over and over. And what happened when we started doing things like this, I just got out my journal and I said, Lord, what are some things you're teaching me? What, are, what would you want me to share with our church? And so I kind of labeled this messages from Mexico. I've got three things I want to quickly share with you. Things that I felt the Lord was pressing on my heart. And these aren't specific to Mexico. These are specific to Jesus followers. So don't think, oh, I'm never going to go to Mexico. This is for you. 
as you live life today and this week in your workplace and wherever you go. First thought is this, that God uses ordinary and willing people and he does amazing work. God uses ordinary people who are willing and he does amazing work. When I started thinking about this story with Jose Jesus, we're very ordinary people. We're willing to, one, go to Mexico, but two, willing to go to his house, willing to ask a question, how could we pray for you? And God did amazing work. And I'll tell you this, that God wants to do the same thing through you and me today and this week and the rest of our lives. He says, I just want to use ordinary people. Are you willing? Will you proclaim the good news in different ways? Because you have been empowered to do this. Will you be willing? I'm reminded of uh, words that Jesus said in Luke chapter 10, verse 2. He said this, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. In other words, there's, there's a ton of Jose Jesus stories out there. But the laborers are few. 50,000 people in Albany. I don't know how many are going to church this morning. My guess is about 5,000. That means there's maybe 45,000 that aren't. The harvest is great. The laborers are few. And God uses ordinary people who are willing to say, Lord, use me. As I go to school tomorrow, as I go to work tomorrow, as I encounter people, would you give me opportunities? Would you help me to just ask a simple question? How could I pray for you? You see, God used our efforts last year in Mexico with Jose Jesus And we happen to get a glimpse of that. God used our efforts with Christmas Compassion this last December. Well, I don't know all the things that are happening. Sometimes we get glimpses of that. But I do know this, that God has used us. And God is using us. And God will continue to use us. He will use your prayers. He will use your efforts. He will use your financial contributions. He'll use ordinary people like us if you are willing. Pray for that coworker. Pray for that neighbor. Pray for that family member. Pray for that fellow student. Look for a need. Meet it. God's going to use us, ordinary people, that He is empowered for His work. Well, after a few days in Tabasco, we uh, then stayed a couple days in San Luis in this large city. And we would go back there every night. That's the best lodging. We get air-conditioned rooms. It was nice and comfortable, and, and that was good. But we spent a couple days in San Luis, as we usually do, and, and working with Caring Hearts Ministry. I want to talk about some of those again. Some of you have done this, and you've seen some of these pictures before, but we joined them in their garbage dump ministry. This is different than Coffin Butte over by Adair Village. There are people that go out there and work by going through the garbage. When a garbage truck, uh, truck arrives and dumps all the garbage, they go through it. Because they're looking for maybe some copper wire to recycle. They're looking for cardboard that they could recycle for maybe homes. They're looking for plastic bottles that they could recycle and get money for. This is their job. This is what they do every day. Caring Hearts Ministry, this is so cool. They go there two, three times every single week. We go one day a year. They go every week multiple times and bring water to them. 
They go every week and bring food to them. They go every week and they just have a little prayer meeting Bible study with them. They say, you know what? There's no trucks coming. Let me just tell you about Jesus again. A guy named Aldoberto, he says, about two-thirds of these people that work out here are believers in Jesus because they've heard this gospel and they said, you know what? Life kind of stinks, literally. <laughs> but he says... There's Jesus. There's hope of eternal life. They just consider this part of their job. I think it's good for us to go. It breaks our heart. It's like we don't see anything like that. I go to Coffin Butte. I dump that stuff off, maybe with some gloves. And it's like, man, I don't want to see that garbage again. This is part of their job. This is their way of life. They also uh, visit shut-ins. Karen Hartz does this regularly. And they said, would you join us in this effort? Would you just help us? Again, I think it's good for our hearts and our eyes to see some of this. But they say, would you visit some of these people? They make a list of people in their church, in their city, people that no longer can make it to church, that are getting sick, things like that. And the young men, they go and help build homes for people that uh, need that. We saw some very hurting people. Again, I would ask you to talk to somebody in the green shirt and just say, tell me about somebody you visited in San Luis. Break your heart. I don't even want to talk about some of them. We saw one man, Francisco. They took us to his house. He has bone cancer. And uh, he's the one sitting in the wheelchair there. And, and uh, his wife, Josefina, and their daughter, and, and uh, their three granddaughters. And so we brought him some food and, and uh, some clothes for the kids. And uh, I can't remember if we brought him clothes, but we brought him some food and and uh, just ask, uh, how can we pray for you? And he said, I pray for healing, would be great, but just pray for joy. And uh, so we did. And we said, is there anything we can do for you? He says, well, through a translator, he says, I'd like a walker. Because I have this wheelchair, but I'd like to stand up at times. And I just can't do this with this wheelchair. And we left and said, okay, well, I don't know what that means. Some of these kids start saying, we got to find Francisco a walker. So we drove through town and we went to a medical supply place. And there was something that wasn't quite meeting his needs. 230 bucks. I was like, ah, I don't know if that'll work. We were driving through town. How can we help Francisco? We see a little garage sale on the side of the road. Guess what there is at the garage sale? You tell me. A walker. Not just any walker. Nearly a brand new walker. The kids are saying, let's buy this walker for Francisco. We buy the walker. We take it to him. He's overjoyed. And I'll tell you, we were too. Just driving through town looking for it, buying it. I just brought a smile to our face. I started thinking about that, and I'm like, i got to write down something else, Lord. Because it brought so much joy to us to find this walker and to buy this walker and give it to Francisco and to see him stand up holding that. And I thought, here's another message from Mexico, is that God blesses us as we follow him in his efforts to bless others. God somehow blesses us. We get a blessing as we follow Jesus in his effort to bless others. Like, God, why do we get such a blessing from this? This is so good. Jesus was quoted in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, of saying this, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Sometimes it's hard to believe that. It's like, man, receiving's good, isn't it? 
But Jesus says it's more blessed to give. And you have experienced this. When you have given at times, it's like, man, that felt so good. To give that money, to give that time, to give that walker, whatever it is. We've experienced this. And it's just like a law of nature. I mean, I I expect gravity always to work. And I expect this law always to work. That it is better to give. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus said it. It's true. I want to say this, though. You don't have to go to Mexico to experience this. You don't have to go to Mexico to follow Jesus. You don't have to wait for next year's missions trip to bless others. In fact, don't. Don't. We don't have to wait for certain seasons to be generous. We don't have to wait for that. Simply look for a need and meet it. Look for a need and meet it. Let me ask you a question. How do you like to help? How do you like to help? Do you like visitation? Do you like visiting people in the hospital, in their homes? Do you like praying for somebody like that? Do you like doing that? Would you just take that card and say, you know what? I like doing this. Sign me up for visitation. Because we have a visitation team. In fact, the leader of our visitation team, he's in the hospital today. He needs visitation. Find something you like. Let us know. We'll plug that in and say, we want you to visit. Frankly, I hate it. All right? I don't like it. As we're driving to Francisco's house, I said to the van in, I said, you know what? I've been to Mexico six different times now. Today is the first time I've visited any shut-in. They, they thought I, you know, was a sinner for that or something. I said, but listen, I kind of avoid that. I'll preach and I'll play with the kids and I'll do things like that. But, oh, I don't like this. Some of them are like, man, this is the very best part. If you're wired that way, let us know. We got people that cannot attend here on Sunday mornings that are members of this church or friends of us that aren't here. I visited somebody Friday. I know it's part of my job, even though I don't like doing it. And she says, would you tell some others to visit me? I'm like, okay, church. We don't have to wait to Mexico to visit Francisco's. We have a lot of Francisco's in Albany. Some of you like kids and youth. You don't have to wait to go to Mexico to play with kids and youth. Those are some cute kids, but we got cute kids here too. And we need people working with our kids. You see, as we follow Jesus in his efforts, when you find the thing that you like doing, you will find out that there is great blessing in that. You say, man, I I thought I was blessing these kids. I thought I was blessing these people I visited. Man, I feel like blessed. That's the way Jesus does this. What do you like to do? Let us know. We'll plug you in. Before I share my third lesson I learned in Mexico, I want us to watch a quick video we made about this trip. And as you watch this, you'll see we had fun, and we do. I think there's fun as you serve the Lord. You're going to see the ministry that we got to be a part of. But I want you to know this, it took all of us. And not the 24 of us that have green shirts, but it took all of us. It took your giving back in November. It took your prayer. No one really got sick. Kinsey... You were a little sick for a bit. I was a little sick for a bit. But your prayers worked. When we watch this video, this is us. 
We just happened to be in the front lines there, but you, you were a part of that. So let's watch this quick video and then I'll come back and share last point of the day. put that on our website here before long, but uh, there's something about being with friends and family, brothers and sisters. We had so much fun 
doing that and, and really when you serve the Lord when you live life you can have so much fun we got to go to a soccer game and and we ate like crazy I mean you were telling me uh, Madison you ate 23 tacos over the course of a couple days uh, anyway we had a great time certainly got to see some of our friends again make new friendships things like that and uh, just had a great time but certainly saying goodbye is tough and we said goodbye to them, and on the last day when we left Tabasco, and as we were saying goodbye to those with caring hearts, I got out my notepad again and said, okay, Lord, I hear you saying one more message, and it's this, that God is preparing a great family reunion. What God is doing, He is preparing a great family reunion. This is what He's doing. Jesus said this, He says, there is going to be a renewal of all things. One day, a renewal of all things. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it says this, And we will be with the Lord forever. Us, our friends, our family, all over the world will be with the Lord forever. You see, God is, what He is doing is He is preparing a great family reunion made possible by the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is why last week was so important. This is just a trip and fun, but it has meaning because what God is doing with His raised up Son, He's going to raise us up and He's planning a great family reunion. I want to finish by telling one more story. You remember before I went, we went to Mexico, I told the story that Larry Crawford back there, one of our elders, he had said, Lord, here's my prayer. Could I see... Ten people come to Christ. I mean, I'm going to be stuck in that room building things. I'm a contractor, but I want to see ten people come to know Jesus through our efforts. Ordinary people, but you're going to use us. Well, after the Monday of passing out boxes, uh, Alfredo's wife, Pastor Alfredo's wife, Connie, comes back with her team. And she says, everybody, you know, is our team and the church people that were there. She goes, let me just tell you. As we went out and handed out some of the boxes today, we prayed with six people who said, I want Jesus for the first time. And we were like, oh, Lord, six, thank you. And we, it was just, it was a beautiful day. The sun was on us, and we just gathered in a massive circle, and we were just giving thanks. God, thank you. As angels in heaven are rejoicing for this, these six, we're rejoicing. We're all family. We're going to be together one day. We thank you for that. But inside, we were kind of going, well, we still want four more, right? <laughs> well, the next day we went out, and the report from that day was, guess what? Seven people said they wanted Jesus to be their personal Savior today. And we are like, oh, this is good. The next day, three more. On the last day we were in Tabasco, one of the workers that we had with us, his brother came and joined him. And he had been saying, my brother's not a believer in Jesus Christ. He says, it's my prayer that he would be. And as we were working and talking about Jesus and talking about tacos and things like this, this gentleman says, I need Jesus too. And this brother of this man that he'd been praying for that day received Jesus as his Savior. And I think we counted 17. That's just the ones we know of. I, all of that to say God is preparing a great family reunion. He's not done either. He's not done building our character. He's not done including members into that family. And as I was thinking about that, I just thought, God, this is what you're doing. You are preparing a great family reunion 
All made possible by the life and the death and the resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus then says to us, place your faith in me. Place your faith in me. Some of you, you have, and you're in that family. He says, keep placing your faith in me. Because I'm on the move. And I've empowered you. And I want to bless you. And I want to use you. And I'm preparing this great feast at the renewal of all things. A great family reunion. I'm including you. And I hear all that. And for those of us who have placed our faith in the risen Savior, we've been made alive. I just want to finish with this phrase. We've been made alive. From God on high. And I would hope that this week you'd rejoice and proclaim the good news of the risen King. I hope that you'd rejoice and say, I'm a part of this. How can I not just show that love and explain that love? And maybe somebody says, why are you so joyful? Maybe you'll get the opportunity to say, could I pray for you? But Jesus is on the move. Jesus is on the move. And he says, I am including you in this. I will use you and I will bless you as you follow me. Because I am preparing a massive family reunion that you get to be a part of. I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads with me. For some of you, I would hope that joy would start bubbling in your heart and saying, I get to be a part of that. (laughs) how good is that I mean I know that life is tough for you I don't know how hard but I know it's tough and hope and joy could be hard to find but would you look to Jesus know that he's on the move and he's including you and he's preparing this great family reunion maybe you're here today and you're saying I'm not sure if I'm even in this family he says All you have to do is acknowledge that you need a Savior and say that it's me and I'll enter into your life. Simply say, Jesus, I need you. And I'll come over and I'll forgive your sins and that easily I will include you into my family. Heavenly Father, uh, today I want to give you thanks for so many things for this salvation that you've offered to us through your Son who was crucified for us, whom you raised from the dead, who is now alive. And God, I I thank you that we get opportunities, that we get to go to Mexico. And I ask that you continue to uh, bless Pastor Alfredo and Connie and their work down there. Those of us that were able to go, would you continue to work in us? Those that weren't able to go, but who have given and have prayed. and God, would you come alive in us? And yet, today and this week, you have us on a mission to proclaim your good news, to draw near to you at our school, at our workplace, in our neighborhoods, wherever that might be. Holy Spirit, you have empowered us. Help us to see that. Help us to rise out of the trials of life. Help us not to hear the enemy beating us down, but to hear that you've called us sons and daughters of the Most High King. And help us just to be on the move because you're on the move. Encourage our hearts. Help us to rejoice in all things. I thank you for loving us. We pray all this in the powerful name of our risen Savior, Jesus.